is good, Defenders, and welcome to episode 252 of the most LAFC podcast on earth. And Andy, I've got to use this one because you said it. You called us your favorite nocturnal podcasters. And I got to say, we absolutely loved hearing that from you, Andy. Thank you, brother. Uh, you know my voice. It's the scarf, J.R. Liebert. And uh, we have just come from BMO Stadium, the Open Cup round of 16 match. Yes, it was a 2 nothing loss to Carson. But my man sitting to my left, one Christian Philly Philemon and I, just took in one of the most inspiring halves of football that you will ever see from a bunch of guys that are half, if not even less than that, of our age. Philly, you got you got just the plain Philly going on on the name today. What's going on, buddy? Well, first and foremost, hello, Los Angeles. Hello, fans of Major League Soccer. Hello, lovers of the beautiful game. And, of course, my favorite intro, hello to the millions. And millions. Of Defenders of the Bank listeners coming to us from 100 different countries all scattered around the world. We thank you and we are humbled by your support. Scarf, yeah, just plain Philly. I couldn't think of anything creative. (laughs) But not even because I'm tired or disappointed or anything of that nature. Uh, On the contrary, I'm, I'm quite the opposite. Like you said, this was a very inspiring performance, and I got to give it up to the freshmen because they certainly took it to the oh-so-I-don't-know-why-you're-that-proud varsity. My man, I was calling for it all week. I had people blowing up my inbox, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. You guys came after me and said, Scarf, don't you care? about the rivalry don't you care about los angeles don't you care about lafc and i said that's okay i hear you i get what you're saying you guys know i care you guys know i love this club and for 45 minutes actually like 49 minutes the kids gave us everything we could have asked for except for maybe just a little finishing touch at the end Let me ask you all out there, because I know how Philly felt. I was sitting right next to him, and there were so many times where we we patted each other on the shoulder or we were holding each other after a great play. I know how we felt about it, but, man, wasn't that incredible, that first half? You're not wrong. I wanted to absolutely smother and destroy the opposition. And it's not just because they are our rivals. Yes, it's a big reason because it's our rivals, but that's how I feel regardless who comes in to our facility. I don't care if it's the Galaxy, Manchester United, or the UCLA Bruins. I want to wipe the floor with everybody. That's how I am. That's how I've always been. You know, quote the great Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. But I've always lived along the lines of second place is the first loser. I wanted a little bit more out of this game. But I did get what I kind of called a smattering of the first team players, along with a lot of LAFC too. So a lot of that came into fruition. But like you, the first 49 minutes of this game were beyond exciting. And there were plenty of opportunities in which this game could have been completely turned on its head. Look, football is a 90 plus whatever how many minutes affair. It only took three minutes for things to get unraveled. But pretty confident in the other 87 minutes of this game for these young players. It was uh, no reason to be upset, defenders. This was actually a, a blessing, and we'll go over that. But 
We're not going to cry and console ourselves because we'll tell you why we all should actually walk out of this feeling pretty happy and proud. Absolutely. You know, we got to take care of a little business first. We just want to remind you guys that on Thursday, May 25th at Lowe's in Hawthorne from 4 to 5 p.m., you can come meet Ryan Hollingshead. You can tell him how you felt about the young kids playing. Hollingshead got to watch this game just like most of us did. Head on over to flexpowertools.com for all your power tools needs, but make sure you check out the Ryan Hollingshead player appearance Thursday, May 25th at the Lowe's in Hawthorne, 4 to 5 p.m. Be there. We'll be there. And we just want to remind everybody that the Mauricio Mo Facio futsal court fundraising effort is still underway. We got to get that court built in Southeast LA. LAFC.com backslash Mo hyphen Facio to make all your donating happen. And Philly, I'm I'm going to go ahead and throw one out there. You ready? I'm going to throw out 38. 38 as the dollar amount that I'm going to be donating after this match. 38 for the age of our keeper, Eldon Yakupovich for making the highlight play of the match for LAFC, the incredible penalty kick stop, which we'll talk about in a little bit. $38, guys. Do it for that beautiful penalty kick save. Ooh, okay. I I have to think about this one for a second. Uh, you're you're doing thirty eight. Yeah, Eldon's yeah, yeah, yeah. age. Uh, yeah. Let's see how Philly tries to one up. All right, all right. Here we go. This is what I'll do. All I'm right. gonna do twenty dollars and twenty cents. Okay. The average age for the ten field players that started for LAFC. <laughs> That's right. Some of these kids and barely come out of their high school prom. 20 spot 20. That's what I'm talking about. Average like and field players. I like it. All right, guys. If you like to donate along with us, please do. I uh, want to give a quick shout out to Ezra and Isaac, Becca's kids. Becca, thank yes. you so much. We, we got to hang out uh, four years old and nine years old. Ezra and Isaac, we love you guys. And, and Philly, you and I got to meet Travis uh, for the first time of Happy Foot, Sad Foot. I'm going to give a little bit of love to Travis out there. Uh, a new pod. If you guys haven't checked out Happy Foot, Sad Foot, they are hilarious. Philly and I laugh quite a bit at these guys. They also know their football very well. But uh, in case you you watched that, the Rose Bowl video, uh, yeah. it was Travis driving around Pasadena. Absolutely hilarious, you guys. So I uh, want to give a quick shout out to them. And uh, Philly, I know this happened at the opening of the match, but we want to take a quick second here. Our hearts go out to the families of the at least, unfortunately, 12 dead and the more than 100 injured in El Salvador as a fence came down and crushed many supporters. Uh, the match played at Cuscatlan Stadium in San Salvador was to be between Alianza, the current club of former LAFC player Fito Zelaya and FAS. It is an awful, awful, awful tragedy that occurred there, and our, our hearts go out to all of those families involved in the tragedy. Yeah, no, ter- terrible events. I mean, there's been a couple of terrible events that have gone on over the course of this week in in in, in football. I mean, you heard all recently the racism Vinny Jr. of of Real Madrid uh, faced when he was playing in Valencia. Uh, all the crowd was chanting, "Well, a, a very derogatory term towards him." It's just crazy that you know we've had so many unfortunate circumstances in, in the world's game where we have. Things of this nature where, you know, you, you go to a football game wanting to have a reprieve from the pains and 
and, and anxieties of life. And you have to worry about a stampede and, and this kind of stuff like that's not cool. And it's also not cool having like racist remarks getting thrown out at, at professional athletes. It blows my mind. The, um, the, the soapbox that people have, the fact that people can like do and say anything that they feel that they want to without any kind of repercussions. Yeah. I think Mike Tyson at some point said something along the lines of like, you know, I hate the social media thing. Most of these kids have never been punched in the face. Uh, and, and that's the case. I, I hate social media for that perspective. So, I mean, let, 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 let's be better about a lot of things. So I just wanted to address that, uh, that situation between Real Madrid and Valencia as well. Like this is, it's awful. Like today's yeah. day, just like shut up. And, and enough of that stupid bravado. At some point, like this is where I legitimately feel like somebody, some people do deserve to get punched in the face. I, I and, firmly believe that. And look, it's sometimes there are silver linings to unfortunate events like what you're talking about with Vinny Jr. Obviously, we saw Dante Vanazier of the New York Red Bulls, unfortunately, uh, use some some words on the pitch. And and his own teammates have said he's gone through counseling, he's gone to meetings, he's he's gotten educated on it, and apparently they had a unanimous vote and welcomed Vanazir back on the team. There are some shreds of good that can come of this. If you can educate one more person to be more tolerant, to be less racist, with Pride Month coming up, Philly, you and I know we're going to see it all over the internet, unfortunately, all the stupid stuff that's said out there during Pride it's it, it, the opportunity to educate is there and the opportunity to become less ignorant and a little bit smarter is there for, for these types of things, obviously with the Vinny jr. Incident with the Dante Vanazier incident, but we just have to be better. Um, and unfortunately, obviously with what happened in El Salvador, uh, it's just an awful, yeah, no, awful that's that all unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to leave it with this because we got stuff to say. Yeah. Um, if you don't have, if you would, the stuff that you people, some of you people out there, and I'm not talking about LAFC supporters. I'm talking about like, I'm, this is a blanket term. If you wouldn't say some of that stuff to somebody's face, you don't have the guts to say some stuff to somebody's face. Don't tweet it. Live by that motto. And I think the world would be a better place. None yeah. of these people would have the balls or the intestinal fortitude, the cones, whatever you want to call it to ever say the stuff that Vinny Jr. heard to his face. And some of the crap I've seen on social media about, yeah, breaking bongas, like none of you have that kind of like, like intestinal fortitude to say it to somebody's face. If you won't yeah. say it to somebody's face, don't say it at all. And that's yeah. me getting off my soapbox. Yeah. And that's unfortunately why people feel so compelled to type it because there's no repercussions, right? So yeah, in that case, the problem truly is in between the, the chair and the keyboard. Yep. So uh, you guys know what we do on most of these episodes. Let's hit up this day in LAFC history, a few news and notes, and then we'll, uh, you know what? We'll break down the match against Carson. It's not a breakdown of the beatdown, but let me tell you, it was certainly uplifting. That's for sure. Quick reminder, if you're not already, please follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Defenders of the Bank and on Twitter at Defend the Bank this day in LAFC history. And I planned it right. It is now after midnight, 12.03 a.m. on Wednesday, May 24th. On May 24th, 2017, Cal State University's Board of Trustees approved construction for LAFC's training ground, known as the Performance Center and the Academy Home at Cal State LA. That's 2017. Six years later, Philly, what dividends the Academy is paying for this club. And in 2019, two years later on May 24th, LAFC defeated Montreal 4-2 to 
at Bank of California Stadium on Pride Night, and LAFC roared out to a 4-0 lead behind goals from Christian Ramirez, Carlos Vela, Latif Blessing, and a 55th-minute goal from Tristan Blackman. Blackman's first action of 2019 got him man of the match, and it was a beautiful goal off of a Vela corner. But what I remember from that match and what most people around the world remember from that May 24, 2019 match was the 2019 TIFO of the year, the Freddie Mercury TIFO. That was so cool. And with Pride Night coming up in just a few weeks, we wanted to give that a quick shout out. Philly, unfortunately, your German national team officially now lost a player that I would imagine they may want to have represent them if they could have. But hey, one person's loss is another national team's gain. And both Tillman brothers are now members of the U.S. men's national team. The switch was approved. Let's face it. The German national team, for the most part, consists of mainly players from Bayern Munich. Smattering of Borussia Dortmund players, maybe a Leverkusen guy, an Eintracht guy, certainly a Werder Bremen guy. Um, look, Timothy Tillman, as talented as he is, I don't think would have been in the running for a position within Die Mannschaft. Not because he's not talented, but just because that's the way the German national team is. To have <laughs> him, though, along with his brother, as a part of the U.S., that's pretty darn cool. But, you know, let's... uh. Let's see him get there. Hopefully he will get there. And the way he's been playing, I have no doubts that he's going to get to go to training camp. And if we have the opportunity to see him wearing the red, white, and blue, I can't wait for that day. How about smooth segues with the scarf? It's a good thing he got that transfer approved because the U.S. men's national team just named their preliminary roster ahead of the Nations League tournament. The 60-man roster must be trimmed to 23 in about a month or so. And Philly, who do you think is on that list, baby? We got Aaron Long, Kellen Acosta, and Timothy Tillman. Congrats. Well, how about that? To all three of our LAFC mates for making the initial list. Look, they're going to cut the roster down to 23. Yeah, two-thirds of this. Yes, we'll, we'll see what happens. But if he keeps playing the way he's playing, man, Timothy Tillman's going to make some waves. Scott's going uh, for this young man. Yeah, look, absolutely 24 years old, young kid still, plenty of soccer left ahead of him. Super proud of him. His brother Malik obviously has uh, already made a few caps for the U.S. men's national team, so could be good. Uh, and then congrats to Ilya for making the bench of the Match Day 14 team of the week. Uh, that's that, And that's all I have to say about that. All right, I got nothing. Uh, Angel City. Angel City's next match is in Seattle at OL Reign next Saturday, May 27th. And Philly, let's take a quick moment. Where's that applause button over there that you got on the uh, the old... There it is. Let the, uh, let the applause play all the way out. LAFC 2. They got their first one. I feel like I want to play the Janine Melnick, uh, the Ghostbusters line. <laughs> we got one! They traveled to Real Monarchs the MLS Next Pro Club, and picked up their first win in club history. A great run up the left by Mateus Maia. We actually saw him today. Led to a deflected effort finding the feet of a trailing Yekison Suba. And of course, the former Real Monarchs player scoring against his old team, 
Blake Kelly, the keeper, could not keep it out. A 10th minute goal would be enough. One, nothing. The win moved them into a tie for last place. Now with the Timbers two on six points. But uh, look, I think after today and that win just a couple of days ago, the uh, stock Philly uh, on LAFC two, dare I say, I'd be rather bullish to buy that LAFC two stock. The boys travel to the beautiful city of Tukwila, Washington on May 26th to take on the Tacoma Defiance Philly. Fair to say LAFC two might be on a few more people's radars after today. Absolutely. And I hope this sparked the interest for some of y'all to get out to Cal State Fullerton to watch some of these young men play. We did catch a few of their games, certainly the inaugural one where, you know, we'll be the first to tell you it wasn't great. But obviously, this was a young group of men that got put together in a relatively quick period of time competing against grown men, for lack of a better term. I mean, LAFC, too, most of these kids just barely went to their high school prom. Yet they put got put together and they're competing against guys that are 25, 26, in some cases older, some cases like had been playing in the USL. I guess we shouldn't have set our expectations too high. But that being the case, the kids are certainly getting better and better. And everything that we've seen out of them within this U.S. Open Cup leads me to believe that the future is certainly bright for the academy and for these kids. I mean, to see how Eric Duenas, Christian Torres, Nathan Ordaz, just to name a few, have developed since they joined the academy as babies, basically, it's great. I'm sure you all felt like proud parents out there watching these boys stick it to the galaxy for a little while. And yes, if you're a galaxy supporter and you're listening to our show, thank you. I know there are a few of you yeah. out there talking to you, Adam. I know there are a few of you out there. And uh, yeah, the boys stuck it to you all. And I know for a fact you were nervous and sweating it out. The last thing you wanted was to lose to the freshman. You almost did, and we're going to recap that. But I'm with you, bro. I'm still laughing at your comment about Janine Melnick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course they're going to be discreet. <laughs> you do? You have? You have? <laughs> anyway. They are? Anyways, dude, uh, let's get into it. Six wins, seven losses, five draws. It's simple. This match did represent a chance to pull even for just the second time in the rivalry back when we had played only seven matches in the middle of COVID at the MLS's back tournament amidst zero spectators. LAFC absolutely crushed the galaxy scoring the most goals ever scored in the series by either side, a six, two route of Carson. No Carlos Vela meant absolutely nothing as Diego Rossi scored, not one, not two, not three, but four goals for LAFC. Brian Rodriguez, yes, Brian, had two assists along with Pancho Ginella's two assists. Bradley Wright Phillips chipped in with a goal and an assist. <laughs> and we actually scored seven goals with Latif Blessing scoring uh, for the uh, Galaxy against us. Oops. That win put the series even after seven matches, two wins, two losses, and three draws. Things were looking up for the black and gold. That win meant two massive wins in a row for our club over Carson, with the prior being the first ever win over Carson, the 5-3 stomping in the 2019 playoffs. But Philly, as we know, things took a turn. LAFC would win just one of their next eight matches against Carson, bookended at the start with our first loss to them at home, 2-0. And on the other side of that run of eight matches, 
was that disastrous 2022 U.S. Open Cup round of 16 loss, 3-1. It was a match where we got outplayed from the jump. Carlos Vela, Chiqui Palacios both left injured. It was nil-nil at the half, but we were blitzed after halftime with Kevin Cabral, of all people, scoring just six minutes into the second half. And another six minutes later, we were down 2 nothing. It would be 3 nothing before Ryan Hollingshead would score. And yeah, that 3-1 loss was awful. We had to cross our fingers that the loss wouldn't either propel Galaxy to another trophy, it didn't, or derail what looked like could be a historic season for LAFC. It most certainly didn't do that. In fact, the loss actually, Philly, turned into a line in the sand for the black and gold, especially in this rivalry. We know what we did to finish off last season, but in the rivalry, we had not lost to Carson since. Each match had been very tense, very close, 3-2, okay? But we exercised a good bunch of those demons against Carson, knocking him out of the playoffs yet again and winning for the first time in Carson. So flash forward to today, the 19th meeting in the rivalry. We did have a chance to pull even. But let me ask you something. Even though we didn't, didn't it feel good for at least a little bit? You know, today was a very strange day. Did it feel good for a little bit? It absolutely did. But it was strange. It didn't feel the intensity of the rivalry. It wasn't as palpable walking around Exposition Park today. I didn't feel that anxiety because to me, it just, I didn't know what to expect. It was a game that, you know, is on our radar. Obviously, it's a game against our rivals and I so desperately wanted to beat them senseless. Yeah. But I didn't have that anxiety. Not like how it was when we went to Dignity Health Sports Park a couple of weeks ago. Not how it's probably going to be when we go to the Rose Bowl come July 4th, certainly not how it was during the playoffs. This game just had a much more relaxing feel to it. And oddly enough, we didn't have a packed stadium. We certainly didn't. We walked around. We saw a bunch of the club sections. A lot of people opted out, and those tickets were not sold. It wasn't your typical rivalry. That being said, once the lineups got announced, we we knew for a fact that, well, the pressure at this point is truly off because it's a lose it's a lose-lose for the Galaxy. If they lose to us, that's awful. Um, but if they win, like there's nothing they can really brag about because they legit they legit played kids on a Jordan jammer and kept dunking on them. And they really didn't dunk on them all that much. Three minutes worth of mistakes led to their dunking. Yeah. So, yes, I felt very good for a significant period of time. I understand why Steve did what he did. And I'm happy to a certain extent because something that you wanted to have happen, no injuries, no injuries occurred, thankfully. But man, you want to talk about blatant disrespect (laughs) for your rivals to only field like there's a couple of players that are obviously on LAFC, but to have only like three kids who normally start on the on the team, absolutely no starters from the first team on the bench. Total disrespect to the LA Galaxy, but I don't think any of us really respect them anyway. Do we really still need to hang our thoughts on the fact that Philip Anschutz and Lamar Hunt propped and saved this league? To a certain extent, yes, but that's all in the past. I have no respect for the organization. None. The players are a different story, but this isn't a team I like. But the hatred wasn't necessarily there to start this game. So long story long. It was a different kind of an atmosphere at BMO. Yeah, let, let's be clear, by the way. Any other match against Carson, 
Obviously, the Rose Bowl match and any other matches we have coming against them for whatever reason throughout the course of the rest of this year. Oh, it's back. Like we're we're full throttle first team starting 11, get Carlos and Denis and the starting midfield and Chiellini, Mario, Ryan Hollingshead, Jiggy Palacios, John McCarthy, or maybe even Maxime Cropo at one point. But we're just, again, this match was such a unique kind of encapsulated event because of where it fell on the calendar and what it really doesn't mean to anything else that we are aspirational for this season look would we love to win the u.s open cup absolutely and maybe in a season where we are also now not trying to defend the supporter shield and to defend mls cup while also ready and willing and able to be on the doorstep of winning Concacaf champions league it's not like we have to win two or three matches to get to the ability to win one we are there now So any other match against Carson, it's back. We're on. Let's go. But this match offered a unique opportunity. And Philly, you hit the nail on the head. It actually was more disrespectful to Carson for us to put the lineup out that we did. Because the initial thought was, dude, these are a bunch of 17, 18, and 19-year-old kids. And then all of a sudden in the first half, Philly, they made us all believers. We're going to get into that in just a second. Look. The Galaxy had had a solid history in the U.S. Open Cup through maybe 2006. They won it twice, 2001 and 2005. By the way, Philly, you know where they won the 2001 U.S. Open Cup? Titan Stadium, Cal State Fullerton. Oh. I didn't know that until when I was doing the research. They also lost the final two other times, 2002 and 2006. So they won in 01 and 05. They lost in 02 and 06. They're making it to the finals four times in what, five years? Six years? That's impressive. Four times in six years, they make it to the finals. They've also lost to a team called the Carolina Railhawks three times in this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what that is, but they're, they're a team. So this is a club that obviously the, the brand, the crest, has experienced playing in the U.S. Open Cup much more than we do, but none of that matters now. It's not like any of these players were even MLS players back in 2006, the last time they made it to an Open Cup final. So look, throw out all the records. Nothing really matters. Yes, we know the Galaxy are awful. Shout out to everybody who came to uh, bank. Uh, whoop, damn it. Five more dollars in the jar. Uh, shout out to everybody who came to BMO today wearing those beautiful Klein Inn t-shirts. Love every single one of you. Uh, Philly, shall we get in? to the most compelling part of everything that we are going to talk about, the rosters for today's match? Uh, why, yes, I think we shall. All I right. Should. The uh, still, somehow, head man for Carson would be one Greg Vanny. The seat is is warm, and I don't think anything that happened today helped to cool it at all. Uh, rolls out his typical 4-2-3-1, but missing four pretty big names out there for selection. Uh, out injured Sega Kulabali, out injured and disinterested would be Douglas Costa. Out because I'm pretty sure he's just pissed right now. He's not at the under 20 Club World Cup, would be Jalen Neal. And out because he has not impressed since, I don't know, about 2019, Efrain Alvarez. But in the lineup 
for Carson. Goalkeeper Jonathan Klinsman, 26 years old. Defender Caligari. Defender Martin Caceres, 36 years old. Defender Eric Zavaleta, 30 years old. Defender Julian Aude. Midfielder Marky Delgado, 28 years old. Midfielder Gaston Brugman, 30 years old. Midfielder Ricky Pooch. The dude's still pretty good, y'all. Uh, midfielder Raheem Edwards, 27. Midfielder Memo, 27. And their forward is 34-year-old Chicharito. And in their 18, players you want to make sure you know, of course, there's Dayan Jovalich and Daniel Aguirre, but 28-year-old Tyler Boyd, 31-year-old Chris Mavinga, and 32-year-old Kelvin Leardom. Uh, I bring up their ages, Philly, because I imagine as I talk about Carson's lineup, when you bring up LAFC's lineup, you may mention an age or two. <laughs> an age or two. Most of these kids were two not that long ago. Obviously, the Galaxy are fielding their best team because they're about to go up against the reigning defending MLS Cup champions, a team that's beaten them three straight times, a team that's knocked them out every postseason where these two teams have met. Certainly, they would need to put the toughest lineup together against this tough LAFC team. <laughs> but it was not the LAFC team that is accustomed to having beaten the Galaxy these last three exchanges. Not a complete surprise as to who got the start in this game. I did say a smattering of first-teamers and LAFC two players, and that's exactly what it was. Now, defenders, before I go any forward, I, on behalf of myself and Scarf, want to apologize to all of you. Apologies to the millions. And millions. What's going on here? That we did not give you the proper introduction to some of these LAFC two players. We've talked about them briefly, but we haven't given that LAFC two podcast that we want to do. You all deserve to know exactly who these young players are because you're going to want to remember all of their names because they are going to go off and do some tremendous things. Remember some of these names. I'm going to go through them starting in between the pipes, not John McCarthy. He was the backup today. Eldon Yakupovich, uh, who had a pretty awesome game, if you ask me. In the back line, that pelvis was pulverizing today. Julian Gaines, rocking Phillies number 80. Diego Rosales, Noah Dolenmeyer, and it's Javen Romero, if I'm not mistaken. Javen Romero, correct. All right. Midfield, at least as per Major League Soccer. Uh, Matsi Bogush, Dani Crisostomo. Eric Duenas, three players that are in our first team. Then up top, Stipe Buke, he's on our first team. Nathan Ordaz, he's been in our 18. And Mahala Opoku, he's definitely been in our 18 and started several games. So as you see here, if we go through this list, we have Stipe, we have Mahala, we have Mati Bogush. These guys have all started for the first team. And then we have Dani Krosostomo, Eric Duenas, who also has started. For this team uh that's five players defenders out of the 10 position field players and then obviously eldon who was featured a couple of times for us so we do have some first teamers on here along with a few lafc2 players as far as the bench is concerned armando avia mateos maya yekison suba christian torres y'all remember him uh christopher jaime j mac himself and jeremy 
Rodriguez, your coach, mainly from what we saw, not Steve Chirondolo, but one, Ante Razov. That is your LAFC 2 team. And a lot of people got a little worried or angry about this. We're not all systems go with eight days in between this game and Leon. Well, it wasn't going to be the case anyway. And once we started seeing images of Jose Cifuentes in his street clothes, we knew we weren't going to see any of the, the bigger starters. And the only time that you and I saw them is after we left the press conference as they were walking in their street clothes within yep. the field club. Yeah, let me throw something out to everybody real quick, and then we'll get on with breaking down the game. Stipe Buke, 20. Nathan Ordaz, 19. Mahala, 21. Monty Bogus, 21. Eric Duenas, 18. Javen Romero, 17. Diego Rosales, 17. Julian Gaines, 20. Armando Avila, 19. Mateos Maya, 18. Yekison Suba, Christian Torres, and Christopher Jaime, who shares a birthday with me, by the way, 19 years old. They had 13 players 21 years or younger on that roster today. 13 players. 21 years or younger. I cannot tell you how proud I am of this club and what they showed today. You go ahead. You go ahead, Carson. Put out your Los Gross team against any other team out there. They're not going to be as successful as this. Uh, Philly, let's get into the breakdown of this match. You and I did not really know what to expect going into the kickoff. And the kids showed they were up to the task in the first half. I mean, shoot, my first note, it was a little bit of a feeling out period, right? But I'm about seven minutes in when all of a sudden. <laughs> we also were trying Ward- to find ourselves situated. That's why you didn't have notes within the first that's, five six minutes. That's by true. Uh, Nathan Ordaz with an absolute banger in the box off a deflection and a pass from Mahala saved for a corner. And Philly, we're seven minutes in and we're thinking, hey, we we maybe should have just had a goal there. Jonathan Klinsman, yeah. the, the the worst Klinsman, the son of the legendary Jurgen Klinsman. And while many people are bitter towards him at for his tenure as a US men's national team head coach, his dad was one of the best players globally, period. Won World Cups with the Mannschaft and done tremendous things in Italy, in Germany, in England with the Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, great player, but odd that his son ended up becoming a goalie. What <laughs> a masterful performance for Klinsman, who started ahead of one Jonathan Bond. Uh, dude, Bond looked so bad in yeah. the Galaxy's most latest defeat. I, I will say he is coming back from injury, so he's acclimating himself. He was on an interview this morning on the Golasso Network, on the Box to Box show with Ian Joy. They spoke for about 10 minutes. I assumed we would see Bond today, but instead we saw Klinsman. And fortunately for Carson, Klinsman was their MVP. Not Ricky Pooch, not Mr. Uh, Mr. Boyd himself. If it wasn't for Klinsman, this game would have been completely different. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, eighth minute. Nathan Ordaz with a low cross into the box for Stipe Buke. Blocked, unfortunately, before the shot got to Jonathan Klinsman. How about Eldon putting in a little work there in the 11th minute? It was kind of a nervy save he made, uh, kind of punching it up and over. Uh, and then a kind of a sloppy clear by Julian Gaines. But you know what? It worked. We, we cleared the lines. Everything was fine. And again, 
we saw Eric Duaneus, who Eric Duaneus continues to play like a man uh, much more advanced in years in this game. He blocked the shot from Chicharito, and then Mahala, with the takeaway, absolutely sends Nathan Ordaz. We couldn't get a shot out of it, but, I mean, we're 17 minutes in looking around going, these guys, they're not afraid of the moment. They have risen to the occasion, and... I. You know, we were very, very excited. And then Philly in the uh, the 19th minute, Ricky Pooch reminds us all, it only takes just, just a quick second to change everything. I mean, that's that kid is quick. A minute before that, though, Scarf, Danny Chrysostomo had a yeah. really, really good wide open look at Klinsman. He just didn't get enough boot on leather. He did not strike that ball hard enough. Very easy pickup for Klinsman. But you're right. Ricky Pooch, give that kid some space. He's going to take all of it. As tiny as he is, the kid's like a little chihuahua biting his way through things. Sometimes you, not that I've ever wanted to kick a dog. I love animals so much, but you know. If Ricky Pooch was a chihuahua, I wouldn't mind kicking him a little bit. Needless to say, Eldon got a hand on it, thankfully. I mean, he doesn't have that 42-inch vertical leap, that's for sure, but he did a tremendous job blocking Ricky Pooch, and that's the player you got to watch. That was my player to watch when we did our one more sleep. Was it low-hanging fruit? Was it obvious? Of course it's obvious because the kid's talented, the most talented player on the Galaxy in this game. Yeah, my player just watched. Jalen Neal was up in a suite. How how are you going to deny this kid the opportunity to represent the U.S. men and not have him play in this game? This is exactly why the front office and the coaching staff of this team are a joke. In addition to that, uh, maybe I should wait for like who their guests are for Pride Night later on. But so many just questionable decisions made. I would be pissed off as hell if I were Jalen Neal. And honestly, for anybody who wants to represent their 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 national team. Galaxy clearly don't want to send players there. Is that the organization that you want to play for? Well, maybe not because they won't do that. And oh, by the way, they're also the wooden spoon leaders. Carry on. (laughs) Yeah, all it took was a chance. And we had one in the 21st minute. A beautiful, beautiful steal by Nathan Ordaz came from behind, poked it away from Klinsman. And Stipe was there, but he couldn't find the frame that... Philly, the way we played, that little moment of brilliance from Nathan Ordaz, Stipe needs to find a way to put this into the back of the net, at least get the shot in on frame. Carson dodging a major, major bullet. Uh, Just a couple minutes later, Julian Gaines kind of does the same thing where we needed him to maybe put it on frame. He kind of snuck behind. It was an absolutely beautiful pass to spring Julian Gaines and again, he makes that cross, and and maybe Stipe is a step short. Maybe the cross wasn't great, but here we are, Philly, 25 minutes in, and it is very safe to say LAFC generating most of the quality chances. Yeah, Gaines, Gaines should have taken his opportunity when he when he got fed with that nice pass. At that point, I think it was just it was just too good to be true for him. The light might have been a little too bright. For the, uh, for the young man who had a pelvis situation for a number of years, needs to take that shot. Doesn't matter, man. Like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. We've learned that from Wayne Gretzky. That's an old statement right now coming from two old-ass podcasters, such as myself and the scarf. Um, 29th minute, Stipe forces a turnover and draws a yellow card. We get a free kick, that yellow card going on Caligari, who is looking more like Caligula and how he butchered Stipe in that frame. Free kick for LAFC. What's that? 
That was a solid reference, my friend. Thank I you, like my it. friend. I know a thing or two. Free kick for LAFC. It's Mahala and Mati uh, setting up, and Bogush had himself a, a, a nice shot, but Klinsman was there yet again. And I don't know if anybody else feels this. I think it is just so weird saying this, let alone hearing this. Saved, shot saved by Klinsman. It kind of blows my mind. It's because I'm I'm that old football guard who remembered this guy when he was in his prime and when he was a player with those long blonde locks of hair. So weird in hearing saved by Klinsman. Yeah, look, the the first half was a continual reminder of how quickly Carson can kind of turn the match on its head. 32nd minute, it was a turnover, and the counter was very simple. Get the ball to, to Ricky Pooch. And then find Chicharito, and they did. Eldon came out, not sure that Chicharito had a good first touch on it. He went down trying to earn a PK. Eldon tells him to get up. The referee tells him to get up. Nothing. We dodge a huge bullet off of a quick counter for about 30 seconds. And then, unfortunately, we're right back at it again. And look, Philly, you and I have absolutely loved watching this kid play. But we got to admit it. We got to call it when we see it. Unfortunately, Eric Twain just got caught ball watching. And he went to make the play behind him. And unfortunately, I believe it was Gaston Brugman, right? They yep, got taken out five, on Mr. the Brugman. play. Philly, we, our, our hearts were in our throats. These kids would come so close on several great opportunities. And now here we are in the 34th minute with their golden child, the heir apparent, the replacement to the aging and just decrepit Chicharito on the spot. Ricky Pooch, I mean, he came over from Barcelona for these moments, right? <laughs> Not for that particular moment. Yes, there was an air of frustration because the kids had a number of opportunities to that point to thread the netting. But now, a tackle in the box, and you have the team's best player stepping up. And yes, Ricky Pooch is the team's best player. Chicharito is a shadow of himself. He's more interested in gaming than playing. Chicharito is not the Chicharito that we remember from even the Bayer Leverkusen days. Like after that series in Bundesliga, ending up at West Ham and wherever he did, he, he was just on a downward trajectory. Anyway, Eldin Yakupovic facing Ricky Pooch. Eyeing him eye to eye. And I don't know if there was any telltale signs. When the ref put the ball 12 yards in front of Eldon, Ricky went to it. I don't know, picked it up, did something with it. He rubbed, I don't know the, if his he rubbed his shirt. Yeah, yeah whatever it was. I don't know if his positioning or anything within that sequence gave Eldon the idea as to what direction that Ricky was going to shoot. Because the minute Ricky let that launch, Eldon was there to make the save. And then there was no more air of frustration at BMO Stadium. It was joy. It was jubilation. And the reason that I sound as hoarse as I do right now is because I was screaming at the top of my lungs when Eldon made that save. If Eldon can keep Ricky Pooch out of the net in such an important part of the game in the way and the manner that he did, surely the soccer gods would shine on us at BMO Stadium. Surely this would be our game to win. We were all excited, and everybody in that building that was there that was not on that ugly corner of two, whatever the hell it was, was feeling the enjoyment of that match. Look, this is the moment in the podcast where we appreciate all things Eldon Yakupovich. He has had his time to shine in this U.S. Open Cup. 
I mean, come on. Dude not only saves PKs when it goes to uh, PKs after the added time in the Monterey Bay match, he makes PKs as well as saving PKs here. He's just back up to saving PKs again. Look, I don't know how many more moments in the sun a player like Eldon Yakupovic is going to get. 38 years old, clearly winding down at this stage of his career. But these last two matches prove you you bring up this song all the time, Philly. I, I'm I'm as good once as I ever was. Shout out Toby Keith. Absolutely. And he he was for these last two matches. We're going to get into the goals, obviously, in the second half. But uh, rest assured, not really on Eldon. Uh, either way, let's talk about it once again. Uh, the save heard round BMO Stadium. Beautiful save on the PK. Uh, look, there were other moments in this half where, again, LAFC, you might have thought like, okay, that's where Galaxy wrestles away momentum. But, I mean, after the ridiculous yellow card that Danny Chrysostomo picked up off of uh, Marky Delgado doing his best diving impersonation, little acting. Is it Marky or Memo Rodriguez? I'm pretty oh, sure sorry. it was Memo. Number 20. Number 20, Memo Rodriguez. You're absolutely right. Philly is very upset about this. I'm going to let him talk about the uh, yellow card. You watch that scuffle go on, and he, he acted like he got punched in the face. It was like you could see him going up to the official. And then next thing you know, he's on the ground. I had a little bit of respect for Memo Rodriguez being a homegrown signed player with the Houston Dynamo. Soft as Charmin. Memo, you're not even the Charmin. You're the stuff that lands on the Charmin when somebody wipes with the Charmin. In front of the official, you go off and do that. And then that started a little bit of a scuffle. Danny Chrysostomo got involved in it. And he said, hey, look, you know, we're competitors. Didn't think anything of it. It was what it was. But how soft can you be? Like, it, it is so tough for me to, to see stuff like that. When the young kids don't sit on the pitch. And, Scarf, you're going to explain why yeah. they weren't embellishing or sitting on the like laying on the pitch. But a guy like Memo, a veteran at this point in this game, crying in the manner that he did, soft as Charmin and shame on you. Scarf, tell the millions. And millions. What MLS Next rule is on the uh, – on the diving and the uh, the stuff that Memo did, or the stuff yeah, look, that Memo here, did like. Here's what I yeah. Here, here's what I love about MLS Next Pro. They have some rules built in to their league where it prevents all of this rolling around on the ground, some some ridiculousness. So if a player is suspected to have an injury and is on the ground for longer than 15 seconds. Medical personnel will come onto the field to evaluate the player and assist him off. Once the player is off the field, the player will be treated and will be required to remain off the field for three minutes. MLS Next Pro does away with all of the garbage that you see of players rolling around on the ground and wasting time and oh my god my ear my face my this my that my shoelace and, and and here's the other one that i like too to prevent uh match delays and increase effective match time they have a timed substitution rule which allows a maximum of 10 seconds for a player to leave the field when they are substituted if they don't get off the pitch within the 10 seconds 
that substituting player who's coming on will only be able to enter after staying off the pitch for a minute. So you're hurting your club. I love this about MLS Next Pro. Again, please head on over to Titan Stadium after you've seen these kids play here today. Please, please, please head on over to Titan Stadium to check out this club. I, I agree. Uh, moving forward after that yellow card and that pain in the rear play by Memo Rodriguez. And by the way, it wasn't just us LAFC supporters that got annoyed. His own teammates got a little annoyed at yeah. him and his shenanigans. So I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. 38th minute, Ricky creating some space. But hey, another easy play made by Eldon. 41st minute, we get that yellow card on Memo Rodriguez. Playing like a coward. Getting a yellow card like a coward. What a little I can't say what because this is a family-friendly podcast. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to offend anybody or, or say any bad words in front of any We, we know so, Ezra and Isaac are listening. and we can't, Exactly. Uh, Becca, it was tremendous meeting you. I wish I didn't have this gouty foot. Otherwise, I would have been happy to accept your 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 kind offer of, of a beer. If they had coffee, I might have taken that. Uh, but I do need to sleep a little bit today. Um, 43rd minute, Ordaz into Mahala. He just misses slightly wide. You got to love the buildup. <clears throat> Excuse me. You got to love the fact that these boys are still attacking. It is so impressive. And one thing that we know for a fact, these kids aren't going to run out of gas anytime soon. They're young. They are hungry. They're playing in a position against this club's biggest rivals. And they did not disappoint on so many occasions within the first 45 minutes. They had their opportunities to shine. And so close did they come to shining very brightly. Yeah, one of the things that we can always count on Chicharito for, to be perfectly honest, is to be meme-worthy. Uh, Memo with a cross in the 43rd minute that didn't quite find Chicha. He might have felt he was taken down or there was a foul, but I don't know what he was doing after the play. He was kind of punching the ground and kind of writhing around a little bit. He is such a petulant child. Uh, in the 44th minute, the ball, nice Mati Bogush. About him. <laughs> the ball finds Mati Bogush at the top of the box. His one-timer is saved really, really nicely by Jonathan Klinsman. It didn't really matter what happened with the follow-up by Mahala because he was ruled offside. But that first save, that initial save on Mati Bogush by Jonathan Klinsman, again, look, we know he didn't score any of the goals today and they won 2 nothing. but Jonathan Klinsman was 1,000% the reason why they won this match today. Memo uh, took a shot in the 45th minute, but it had nothing on it right at Eldon. And that brings us to the half. Nothing really happened in stoppage time. Uh, Philly... A remarkable first half by the kids. I think, you know, to to uh, if if there's a gun to your head, what did you really think of that first half? If you're asking people like Chris Klein, if you're asking people like Greg Vanny, hell, if you're asking people like Steve Tarundula, I think we got every bit that we could out of those young kids for 45 minutes. I mean, you're not wrong. They had 11 shots. At the half to the Galaxy's eight. Both teams with five shots on target. Both keepers being as effective as they can be in this game. Possession, for the most part, was 50-50. I would have assumed that Galaxy would have been in the lion's share. But they were playing the role of watching out to catch LAFC on a mistake and hit him with the counter. And that's exactly where a lot of their attempts came from. The passing accuracy was slightly better from the young kids. We're talking 86%. The only thing the Galaxy dominated in, and this is obviously a matter of frustration, they had 12 fouls 
on the youngsters in the first 45 minutes with several of them out coming from Memo Rodriguez. You got to have been frustrated to be getting your lunch handed to you by a bunch of 17, 18, and 19-year-olds. For you Galaxy supporters out there that are listening to our show right now, you cannot tell me that you went into the half feeling (laughs) confident that your team was going to pull out a win. There is nothing but bad. There is a dark cloud hovering above Dignity Health Sports Park, and I'm sure you thought that that was going to continue on. There's no way any of y'all could tell me that you felt confident after that first half because despite all the stats I just read to you, if we're going to pick a winner, it was the kids. They absolutely outplayed the much bigger, much more expensive, much fancier Galaxy. No, you're absolutely right, my friend. Uh, Unfortunately, the second half would not go as well, I think it's safe to say. Uh, and it started with, before the half even kicked off, with a substitution, Julian Audeg coming out for Tyler Boyd. And we would hear a little bit from Tyler Boyd in a minute. But I'll tell you this, in no short order, the kids were right back at it. Mati Bogush with another great attempt in the 48th minute, a little one-two from Mahala after another Galaxy turnover. But that shot going just wide across the mouth of the goal. And then Philly, another opportunity just a minute later. Uh, You really thought these kids were going to put the pedal to the metal. Maybe they could find one. Maybe they saw something at halftime. I'll tell you, though, it became pretty apparent that Greg Vanny saw something uh, after halftime, making some adjustments. I got to tell you, though, end of the 49th minute, Tyler Boyd sometimes you just make a special play. That was the the key difference. The minute he subbed into the game, it changed the whole trajectory. And you're right. They, they, they made some adjustments. They didn't know what to expect. How much tape is there on this team that LAFC fielded within the first 45 minutes? But look, not for nothing, not the respect that I'll give to the rival is that Greg Vanny has been successful as a coach in Major League Soccer. He won that treble in 2017 with Toronto FC. He's been a good coach throughout his tenure. The shifts and the changes that he made certainly helped. And that shot by Tyler Boyd, that's a goal of the week candidate right there. Eldon did everything he could, got outstretched, but he caught him. And just like that, the air comes out of the sails of the LAFC folk and the LAFC two players on the pitch. And yeah, look, in our, news, <laughs> in our news and notes, Section I mentioned that 60-player pool that the U.S. men's national team has called in. Tyler Boyd's in that pool for a reason, right? He had an absolute rocket. I think he's done it against us before. He is a player to watch as soon as he gets control of that ball. Look, he played for Besiktas for quite a while over in Turkey. He's played in uh, he's played in Australia. He's played all around the globe, and he is a very very good player. Uh, in the 52nd minute. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned it, Philly. Three minutes, three minutes, where we kind of lost our head, kind of lost our composure, and I don't really think we we lost our head too much on the Tyler Boyd goal. I mean, we needed to close him down. I yelled that was too much space, but the run by Ricky Pooch, it was it was a class run. Nothing you could say about it. As as high class of a play as you will see. Uh, from any player in Major League Soccer. A nice little drag over, and all of a sudden he created some space for himself in the box, beat Eldon. There was a 
there was a bit of a congestion, so I wasn't sure if maybe he was the last to touch or not, if anything happened. As world-class of a run that that was to put that ball into the back of the net by Ricky Pooch, and it was a world-class run, it was the exact polar opposite, an absolute classless celebration by Ricky Pooch. Here's, here's the thing, Philly. You and I sat there watching, and the thing that we kept saying over and over and over and over and over again is at this point at LAFC, no player in black and gold would ever celebrate the way he did. First of all, let's be clear, Ricky Pooch, you are not Lionel Messi. So to do the Lionel Messi celebration, I don't know about that, my dude, but make sure, above all, that the world knows the name on the back of the kit instead of pointing to the crest, instead of letting everybody know who you play for, you felt the need to let everybody know who you were instead of who you played for. You are the epitome of what Carson has become, that small team mentality. And after the goal, Chicharito has words for the 32-52. Come on, stay classy, my dude. That's what you've been reduced to, a crying, petulant, past-your-prime prima donna who makes more noise celebrating your teammates' accomplishments than making any of your own. In the immortal words of soon-to-be-fired Bob Bradley, get lost. Yeah. I mean, he gets an A for the creativity on that play. It was a brilliant goal. But he certainly gets an F for originality in terms of his goal celebration. The end of the day, Ricky Pooch is a kid himself. And he's not that much older than any of the guys on the LAFC two squad. You would hardly call him the veteran of the locker room. I think he's even younger than Noah Dolenmeyer is. Um, (laughs) So we can't exactly hold that against him. It was a great goal and a big moment that put his team up two to nil. And it's great that he did that against the team that he did. But if he wants to have celebrations like that, my man, you need to do that against better defenders. And in Major League Soccer, because you legit did that against a bunch of freshmen. Like you dunked on a Jordan Jammer as a six foot man playing against kids that are in sixth grade. I mean, that's maybe not the best of equivalents, but I mean, that's what that's what it was. It was a brilliant goal. Celebration was kind of dorky. Then again, Ricky Pooch is kind of dorky. And he tucks <laughs> his shirt in his shorts. Doesn't get any geekier than that. You might as well see this kid roll around with a pocket protector. Circle a la Revenge of the Nerds. Um, Yeah, Ricky Pooch is a good player, but he's such a nerd. Yeah, it's, look, it's, uh, he made a great play. Yeah, he did. He, he he got us. He was the best player. And Chicharito, the thing about that, by the way, like you're right. Yeah. He was he was crap, absolute crap. Missed out his opportunities. They're lucky that Ricky Pooch is on that team. If it wasn't for him, this team would this this team would even have points in Major League Soccer. This team wouldn't even gotten this far in the U.S. Open Cup. No thanks to Chicharito. All the praise belongs to Klinsman and Ricky Pooch. And yet, in MLS, doesn't Ricky Pooch only have like one goal and no assists right now, too, this year? Like, it's unbelievable. Want to give some boys their props. Let's be honest. After the 52nd minute, uh, I got to be honest, there's really only one moment that I would even want to talk about for the entire rest of the match for LAFC. But we want to make sure that we give these boys their props because, damn it, did they earn it. In the 56th minute coming out, Stipe Buke, 
Javen Romero, Mati Bogush, and Mahalo Opoku. Coming on, players we've seen a couple of times in Christian Torres. And Christopher Jaime has, has made a, I think he's made an 18 once before, not sure. But Armando Avila and Mateus Maya coming on in their first moments in an LAFC black and gold first team kit. It may be Christopher Jaime's as well. Now I'm kind of doubting myself. I'll have to go back and look. But Christian Torres, Armando Avila, Mateusz Maya, and Christopher Jaime coming on for LAFC. Congratulations to all of you guys. Look, I know Torres has been here before, but still he hasn't gotten a lot of burn. Uh, oh, by the way, also Chicharito and Eric Zavaleta coming off for Chris. I've already tweeted out in the social media that I'm not happy on the Galaxy Mavinga. And Dayon, I've already tweeted out there in the social media universe that I should be starting over Chicharito Jovalich. Uh, so clearly, there's some cohesion issues in Carson, but we, we got to give these boys their due. 56 minutes. No, absolutely. I mean, they, they played their hearts off. Unfortunately, you know, those three minutes are what killed us. And that's really the game other than a couple of other, other plays, but yeah, no, you're right. The young kids deserved it. And Steve wanted them to get the burn that they did because they certainly earned their victory in Monterey. The kids have been working out hard. They got their first win in MLS next against the Real, uh, Real Monarchs. So why not have them come in, but you'd think, and I, I don't recall the rest of the 18 that Vanny had, but you're going to put in Jovalich and Mavinga against the kids? Like That's really? my favorite part, right? I mean, you're going to continue to go full throttle being up two to nothing? Do you have that much of, that much insecurity that your team's not going to win? Like, Are you that unsure, not confident with your team that you have to put these other two killers to replace the other guys? Eesh. Billy, Billy, can you imagine? Just imagine for a second. Jovalich pulls a hamstring, right? Or strains a quad or pulls a calf, or something in the, I don't know, 75th minute playing against kids that 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids? Are you kidding? The wrath that the the Twitter cowboys down in Carson would lay upon the doorstep of one Greg Vanny to sub Jovalich and Mavinga on, on, in a match you're up 2 nothing. Where, look, let's be honest, LAFC wasn't threatening much anymore after that. They really weren't. They didn't threaten all that much in the second half. And then they put on Kevin Leardom for Raheem Edwards in the 68th minute. <laughs> I mean, unreal what we were watching from the Galaxy. Uh, I, I guess. I don't even know anymore. Uh, and in the 77th minute, got to give him some love. Uh, the goal scorer in the only win that LAFC 2 has had this season, Yekson Suba, fresh off of playing against Real Monarchs. He now gets the Carson Galaxy coming on for Julian Gaines in the 77th minute, and it's a debut for Yekson Suba, who, by the way, he's he's, he's, he's solid. him a little bit, man. That kid, Yekson Suba, he's, he's how old again? Uh, 19 years old. Look. I, I was in great shape as a swimmer at one point in my life. I never looked like Yekas and Suba in a soccer kid. <laughs> but you, we have photos of you in a Speedo, which we have to put out on social media at some point. No. We should have a before and an after. And then a before yeah. and after that. Okay, maybe there's, not. No, he's there's, only, he's, there's only an after now, buddy. <laughs> there's, there's fair no enough. Going back I, mean, to that. I, 
I too, like you, traded one six pack for the, another one, but the liquid oh. kind. It's unfortunate, but I'm working on that. We're all we yeah. always need to be working on that. Uh, Raheem Edwards, by the way, I never liked him as an LAFC player because I always viewed him as a turnover machine. Yeah, and you'd swear he was on LAFC because he kept turning the ball over to LAFC. Yeah, that gave game. me some joy. I loved watching players like like Javen Romero all over him, like muscling him out of the way. I love watching Eric Duenas give Ricky Pooch a hard time. Uh, the young kids, despite the fact that they were down two to nil, they kept fighting. They kept fighting and fighting and fighting until that final whistle. And I mean, I was very, very proud of these kids. I don't, I mean, you have any other stuff that you want to mention? Uh, the one, my friend in the 83rd minute, we yeah, almost the got a shot, goal. Yeah. Nathan Ordaz, oh, man, crossed it over, fires one, but a kick saved by Klinsman. I mean, I wanted it so bad. I wanted to at least get on the board against these guys with this roster. But, yeah, no. Uh, we earned a couple of corners in the 90th minute, tried to make it interesting, but unfortunately Danny Chrysostomo couldn't get him anywhere near frame. And that'd be that, my friend. Uh, 2 nothing. So our open cup run is done. Open cup run is done. But it wound up being statistically, Philly, a fairly even end, even though obviously the scoreline, not even. But the kids were all right, man. The kids certainly played a really good first half. Then they sort of fell into the LAFC2 pattern. I mentioned that we had 11 shots with five on target at the conclusion of the first 45 minutes. The end of the game, we only had an extra four shots with only one on target. Yeah. Second half wasn't ours. We tried our best, but we couldn't really get any other good looks at Jonathan Klinsman. You already hit it. The 83rd minute was when Nathan Ordaz had in the scarf minute had that attempt. Uh, the boy, the young, the young one certainly picked up on the fouls, those 16 at the end of the game where they only had six at the end of the first half. Uh, there was the drop off galaxy had more possession and their pa passing accuracy was, was a, a, a bit better at the end of the game, but these kids played exceptionally well. Um, Dan Danny Chrysostomo, like 93% passing accuracy. He had the yeah. most touches by any LAFC player. You asked him a really good question in the presser. Like, look, it's your rival. You lose to your rival. Of course, you're going to be annoyed, pissed off. But are you really pissed off? Like, this wasn't our first team. Should we have fielded it? Obviously, Steve was in the same train of thoughts as Scarf was. No, because the next game is more important. And he did want to reward the play of the players that competed up, up north uh, at Monterey Bay. And these kids got some run. And I hope for those who are on the fence about LAFC2 that these kids would have won you over. Because a lot of them are so darn good. And we're watching them grow up right before our eyes. You remember the photos. I wish I had them of what Eric Duenas Christian Torres and Tony Leone looked like what a mere six years ago. Look at them now. They're men. They, not all of them, but I mean, they can vote. They can get a driver's license. They can't drink, nor can they get a really cheap premium on renting a car, but they're playing so stinking well. So I really implore you to go to those LAFC two games, support these young kids. They need, they need it. They need the encouragement. And if you happen to see them, Praise them because they really did give everything they had to our team that has such a higher payroll with so much more quality and talent. Like I said, varsity beat the freshmen. 
yet they boasted about it like they just won the MLS Cup. Small club energy, small club mentality, and I don't even give a hoot if any of you clowns out there want to like make fun or poke fun at us on the show and retweet some things. By all means, hate on us all you want. Uh, the more you watch us and give us views, the better it is for our engagement, and it gets our name known out there. So thank you, clowns, for even hating on us. Nine teenagers, dude. We played nine teenagers. Nine teenagers. But my favorite part of the match, yeah, the PK save was great. Yeah, there were a couple of other opportunities. But my favorite part of today's match, and it's the match festivities, had nothing to do with what happened before or during the match. You may have heard me say once or twice that I absolutely love Giorgio Chiellini. <laughs> uh, you may have heard me say once or twice that he may be my spirit animal, that he may be my mood that I would like to try and strive to be in, that if there were a, a yoga set of like yoga classes, we've got like Bikram yoga, which is the hot one. And we've got all kinds of other, there should be like a Kialini yoga, which is just like smiling the entire time and just being happy. Uh, I love Giorgio Chiellini. I have never loved Giorgio Chiellini more than after today's match. Philly, do we have the video? Are we able to pull it up and play it? Let's see if we can play this video and then I'll, I'll talk about it. I love that man. Hold so on much. one more time, please, please. Oh, one more time. Focus on the man in the background. Yeah. So Scott, why don't you enlighten everybody on what Giorgio Chiellini said to Pooch as he was walking out of the locker? So we, we want to give a quick shout out to at Pase Filtrado. Uh, on Twitter for initially tweeting this. We have retweeted it on our account, but at Pase Filtrado, thank you so much. Uh, Ricky Pooch is in the uh, like players' parking lot area doing their post-game, and coming out of the tunnel is none other than Giorgio Chiellini, who looks back and sees Ricky Pooch giving his interview, takes one look at him kind of dismissively, turns around and shouts, Payaso! And if you don't know what payaso means, it means clown. He calls Ricky Pooch a clown. I love Giorgio Chiellini so much. I love you, Giorgio. It's great. I want that as my ringtone. Maybe <laughs> when messages pop up. That was that was a brilliant payaso. video. The video heard around the world. I I love that Giorgio lit up Ricky. It's it, it, it's all gravy. Uh, all right, so a couple of things to talk about before we end this guy. First and foremost, our next match is May 31st in Lyon. The first leg of the two-legged CONCACAF Champions League final. We don't need to tell you the importance of this, but don't worry. We're going to be doing several different podcasts and media hits about this coming up very, very shortly. In fact, we can let the cat out of the bag and say that right now, on Sunday at 8 p.m., Sunday at 8 p.m., what's the date? On, I don't even know the date on Sunday. It's the, what is that, uh, Philly? What's the date on Sunday? Help. Uh, Sunday Which at Sunday? 8 p.m., yes, this coming Sunday, we will be recording a CONCACAF League final super pod. That's right. Members from all the families will convene together on StreamYard. Uh, this version of it 
They've had different versions hosted by Heart of LAFC, Shoulder to Shoulder, all kinds of great podcasts. This one will be hosted by yours truly, Philly and Scarf. We will be hosting this version of the Super Pod. It will be recorded Sunday at 8 p.m., and then we'll send out the video and the audio to all the other podcast families. We'll put it up on all of our respective social medias. Not only does this give you an incredible chance of being able to get ready for the CONCACAF Champions League final, but it would also give you a chance to meet several of the other wonderful PodFam hosts out there for all the other different podcasts out there for Los Angeles Football Club, for LAFC, for the, the, the faithful of the black and gold, for the millions. And millions. To be able to, to latch, your, uh, latch your wagons onto some pretty incredibly talented people. So that'll be Sunday at 8 p.m. What you got, Philly? Um, I'm good. I'm just, <laughs> as I mentioned, I'm proud of the kids. They did their thing. They gave it their all. Nothing to be ashamed of. And if anything, the silver lining is the fact that, look, <laughs> Klein and Vanny stay in. <laughs> I think we, we, in a way, we sort of won because despite the fact that the Galaxy are advancing in the U.S. Open Cup, they are still last place. And that much I don't think is going to change. It's not. You thought they would turn their story around with those wins against San Jose. No, they're not turning themselves around. So we're only prolonging what could be the inevitable. If y'all really wanted us to do you a favor, then you would have given up this game and just absolutely allowed us to run through you. But you didn't. You gave it your all and you celebrated like it was your MLS Cup. Because quite frankly, I mean, it, it, it is. The only thing you're destined for is a wooden spoon. So enjoy it while you can. Sure, you beat us. Congrats. I'll tip my hat off to you, but you didn't beat our actual strong team. And we're going to have the opportunity to tango one more time in Pasadena in the Rose Bowl, your original home. And while that might be a home game for you, we're certainly not going to allow you to make it feel like a home game because we're going to fill that stadium up very much black and gold. And that will be a completely different LAFC team that you see on the pitch at the Rose Bowl. So enjoy this win while you can, because come that July 4th game, the only fireworks that you're going to have go off is the fireworks that we're going to ignite on your goalkeeper by threading that needle, that ball in the back of the net on a multitude of occasions. You also won't go far in the U.S. Open Cup. You won your last match. Colorado or Real Salt Lake have the tools to beat you. Because quite honestly, there are 29 teams in this league that have the tools to beat you. And so enjoy your win while you can. There aren't going to be very many of them for you the rest of the season. No, you're absolutely right. Look, the uh, the only scary thing out of all of this, right, is that Carson is still alive to win a trophy this season, which I don't know if we ever thought that was going to be the case. But you know what? They're, uh, they are still technically alive. Uh, we've got a match that you and I want to be keeping track of. That would be the Real Salt Lake, Colorado match tomorrow at 7 p.m. The winner of that will take on Carson, uh, and we will all become either Colorado or Salt Lake fans for at least a day. But that being said, uh, this has been a really fun podcast. I want to say again how proud I am of the kids, how proud we both are of the kids. An incredible showing by these kids. Remember, nine teenagers played in this match today along with a handful of 20 and 21 year olds uh, i just couldn't be more proud and with that 
you guys know how we like to end every single one of these podcasts. This is episode 252 of the most LAFC podcast on earth. I had to just one more time. <laughs> I love it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. 